Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. In the week where we had our first celeb waltz off Strictly, Richard Maley joined the circle, and RuPaul's Drag Race got underway in the UK, this is Series Linked, with me, Mark Jeffries from The Mirror, and this week, standing in for Emma, we have Sarah Wallace, a TV previewer, also from The Mirror. Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans, by TV fans. Coming up, we'll be chatting with broadcasting legend Gabby Rosden about her new show, The Science of Sleep. Plus, Sarah Kendall will share her box set to watch before you die. But first, is a staple of the annual TV calendar, Lord Sugar's back with a new series of The Apprentice. Um, what do you think about it, Sarah? You, you get excited about this one? There were a few years where I wasn't as keen, but it's, it's the 15th year. How often can they keep doing this? But actually, I've seen the first episode and it's brilliant. It's really exciting. They were straight off to Cape Town in South Africa. And I thought it started everything off with a bang. I think I'm with you on this one. This is going to be Wednesday nights at nine o'clock on BBC One. And for a few years, I did feel it went a little bit pantomime, didn't it? I didn't really feel there was enough real business in it. I remember when it first started and you actually got a job with Lord Sugar. It felt like a serious business programme. And then it kind of, I felt personally, it lost its way a little bit. And it did become very jokey. It felt like there were a lot of people using it maybe as a springboard to be a reality TV star. But we have got some decent contestants in this. A few people who've got their own businesses and they're already talking about they're going to use them and they want Lord Sugar to come in with them. And then there are some, I'd say, some slightly more comedy people. There's, there's a guy who's a bit of a dead ringer for Michael McIntyre, yeah. isn't there? The first task is quite interesting because uh, they're, they're very much out of their comfort zone. They're dropped in Cape Town and it's boys against girls, the usual thing, right? Yeah, I think they've got the mix right this year. There's a lot of comedy. It's like a comedy business mix, isn't it, always? But it starts off with those brilliant quotes where you just think, where do they find these people? If you cut me in half, ambition comes out of my blood. Hunt or be hunted, this hunter always catches his prey. It's just absolutely ridiculous, but it makes it funny. It keeps the pace going for people that aren't necessarily interested just in the business. And, you know, they make loads of mistakes, which we can't get enough of. So I quite enjoyed it. We don't want to ruin the first episode too much, but as you say, there's a lot of mistakes. There's that classic thing which you always get in the first episode when they ask who wants to be project manager and sort of everyone looks the other way and does that <laughs> thing where no one really wants to do it because in the past so many of the project managers have got booted off. Yeah. The other thing that we, we both were at the same screening for this last week and um, I thought what was really interesting was Lord Sugar was very adamant that it was still a very serious programme and he's 72 now and I was sort of thinking maybe we're going to be coming towards the end but, but he did say he signed for another year and he'd actually like to do it for another five years so that they, they do 20 series. I mean, it's going to be, I've, I sort of was worried about sort of him trying to do the show at 77, how many more of those sort of 
cliche yeah. sort of catchphrase he could come out with and also how much interest he'll be but he still seems very keen on the whole thing doesn't he yeah he's not bothered about age he never wants to retire and he does come out with these witty one-liners I don't know whether they're off the cuff all the time but I think he he's very funny and for some reason this unchanged format has lasted 15 series and I think he's right I think it could easily go another few years we should also give a little shout out to I guess Claude and Karen the sidekicks I think they're quite important they obviously do a lot of the legwork for Lord Sugar. I guess that's another reason why he's able to keep it going. And some of their observations are really good. I think Claude said basically that by the end of the series, you're going to be irritated by them all. And he hinted that he kind of hated them all by the end of it. So he still takes it very seriously. Whereas I think Karen's a li- little bit more jokey. Yeah, everything's said with a wry smile, isn't it, with those two? And I, I think they like to play up to this character of we're very dissatisfied with these contestants. But I think it's all... F- fun and I think um, they've come up with some good tasks we don't want to ruin it for everyone but they're going to some different countries different places they need to keep coming up with new ideas to keep it fresh but it's off to a good start so that's The Apprentice that's going to be Wednesday nights at nine o'clock but we've also got another reality show coming up this week it's RuPaul's Drag Race BBC Three on Thursday nights uh, starting at eight o'clock I mean this has had such a fanfare I feel like the BBC have been promoting this for, for months on end. It's obviously come across from the US. A lot of hype around it. What do you think, Sarah? Does it deliver? So far, I think I was worried it's a bit like the budget version of RuPaul's Drag Race. It feels a bit... Um, maybe it doesn't have quite the glamour, quite the set, quite the tasks of the US version, but I've only seen the first one, so it might take a while to warm up. I've got to say, I like some of the names of some of the contestants. We've got Bag of Chips, The Vivian, um, Vinegar Strokes... So there are some quality drag names. Uh, <laughs> ten contestants in total, I think, taking part. I know what you mean about the budget. I think when I think of this show in America, I think of a lot of glitz, uh, a huge studio, and those uh, lip sync battles at the end that feel almost larger than life. And this one, the, the studio does look a little bit smaller. It looks a bit like, I suppose, the Big Brother house or something yeah. like that. That worries me a little bit. For people who haven't ever seen the programme, I suppose, it really just reminds me of Next Top Model for drag, basically. I suppose that's what it is in a way. From that point of view, I'm not sure there's going to be that many new people who are going to watch it and be that interested in it. But it does seem to follow the similarities. It seems to follow the format of that American version. So I think if you like RuPaul, you like Drag Race generally, you're obviously going to go for this as well. RuPaul, who's got the longest legs on any human I've ever seen, it's amazing. So I think it's amazing to watch the transformations of, you know, all the drag queens putting yeah, on all their true. makeup and then taking it all off again, you know, going from boy to girl and back again. So it is fascinating. It will be glamorous. But as you say, if you love the show, it's just more of the same and fans will lap it up. In terms of the panel, there's a great lineup. You've got Michelle Visage, you've got Alan Carr, I think Graham Norton's getting involved. That first episode, you've got Andrew Garfield. I mean, a huge, huge acting name. And he is getting in there and he comes up with some really witty stuff when he's on the panel. So so there's really good names to go alongside the, the acts themselves. And like with a lot of these shows, same as The Apprentice, I guess, we're going to see them get booted off and we're going to get down to one winner. And the prize for them is pretty good, actually. They were saying they're going to go over to Hollywood. They're going to have their own sort of digital show. And I think... Previously in the States, you know, if you win this, you can become a huge, huge name. And so I think it's uh, for, the, for the winner, it's a real potential big prize. Yeah, there's loads of drama with all the rivalry. And uh, my money's on Cheryl Hole. I don't know about you. I'm going to go for a bag of chips, I think. <laughs> Joining us on Series Link this week is broadcasting legend Gabby Roslin. Here she is discussing her two-part show, The Science of Sleep we've got some sort of sleep crisis at the moment. What can you tell us about that? 70% of us say we don't get a good night's sleep. So that's the overall thing. And I don't, when I was asked to do this, 
I jumped at it because every single morning, the first thing that my husband and I talk about or with the kids is, oh, good morning. How did you sleep? Whenever you go to work, it's, oh, hi, how are you? How did you sleep? Oh, hi, how are you? How are you? Did you sleep okay? It seems to be everybody's obsession. And my dad, who's in his 80s, he, the first thing he talks about when you speak to him is how he sleeps. First thing that David and I talk about, my husband, sleep, the kids. So realize that actually everybody is obsessed with it. So I leapt at the chance of doing this show. What kind of things do you do on the show? I think there's some sort of experiments that maybe four people are with particularly bad problems that you sort of use them as guinea pigs. Is that right? Let's say it in a nice way. <laughs> we don't experiment. Well, we, I suppose we do. Well, you're trying to solve them. their problems, I guess. That's yeah, maybe a nice well, way of putting it. No, these are people that we're doing tests on them. We call them our super sleepers. They don't have a problem in sleeping. So what we're doing is we're finding the effects over 48 hours of no sleep. So we keep them awake, but it's not cruel and big brother type tests at all. This is all scientifically done. It's done by BBC Science Department, actually, for Channel 5. I get confused, but there we go. It is. It's BBC Science. So we put them to the test. We do memory tests. We do driving. The thing that I think shocked me more than anything was that we all micro-sleep. Do you ever, both of you, do you ever get into the car and go somewhere and think, oh, do you know, I, it's so funny. I just do it on, on automatic pilot. Yeah, mm. all the time. Right, you've probably yeah. micro-slept. You've been micro-sleeping. And you can do that maybe five seconds. And the distance that you go in that time is terrifying. So imagine doing that on the motorway. So we have this escalation in frightening things that happen on the motorway from crashes to obviously near-fatal collisions and all sorts of things. And very often it can come down to micro-sleeping. And that's the thing that shocked me so much. So you're going to find out about that. Also, there are people who have problems. There's a guy who has night terrors, a woman who just, she snores very loudly. You know, they're all the things that people, and there's um, restless leg syndrome. So it's all the things that people seem to be affected by and affect a lot of people that we look at. And we try and get conclusions and find out a lot. The night terrors was quite scary it to really watch. Was. Yeah. What did you learn as you were making the series? Well, did you I, know about things like that? Well, no, I knew about them. Luckily, I hadn't experienced them and my kids never had them. I'll tell you the most bizarre thing about making this show is that there were certain bits that obviously I wasn't there for. So the night terrors and the woman who snored and the restless legs. And so when I was watching it back, going in there to do the voiceover and they kept putting on the red light. So when you do a voiceover, they press a red light and you're meant to speak with the script you've been given. And uh, the producer kept coming through on the headphones and saying, Gabby, wake up, what are you doing? Wake up, ha ha. Yeah. And I say, well, I'm sorry, I'm watching the program because I'm so fascinated. Yeah. So I was, I couldn't stop watching the program that I'd also been a part of. So hopefully that's a good sign. Do you sleep well? Um, no, I've never slept. That's why I jumped at the chance of doing it. I've only ever slept for about five hours every night. Wow. Um, and I've never understood this thing of lots of people sleeping. So I've only ever slept five hours. When I was a teenager, I used to be very worried about it because I, I doing my exams and everything, and I never slept. I remember speaking to my parents. I'm getting very wound up about it because I never slept at night. I couldn't get to sleep. I still can't. My brain is too active. And then I wake up early in the morning. And so when people used to say things like, are you a night owl? Are you a morning person? I just say, I'm both. Wow. <laughs> it still takes me about an hour, an hour and a half to get to sleep, but I've learned a lot. I've learned new ways to get to sleep now since doing the show. That's absolutely hand on my heart truth. What sort of things do you do now? Um, well, I go to sleep at a regular time. So that's one of the things. And obviously because I've 33 years next month I've been doing, being a TV presenter. And 
lot of it has been early mornings. So my times are all over the place. But I've now learned through that program that if you go to bed, at the, try and go to bed. Obviously, if you're going out, you can't. But you go out, go to bed around the same time every night and try and get up at the same time every morning. Then you get into your natural rhythm. So I'm on about five and a half hours. And you can night. cope on that. Yes, clearly. I do. <laughs> and that's the thing I learned. I asked the professor. I said, am I a freak? Am I weird? Because everybody always says to me, you're not getting enough sleep. And he said, look, there are some people who are different, but what we should all be getting seven, eight hours. And the other thing that I learned, which is so important, is that there's a triangle. And I've been learning about and studying now for over 20 years, health and nutrition, because of uh, both my parents having cancer, my dad having bowel cancer and surviving, that I decided uh, it's something I go to bed every night reading medical papers about health and nutrition. And I realize now that there's the, the, other, the third part of that is sleep and how important sleep is. It's important for our brain. It's important for our mind. It's important for our internal organs. It's important for us. I'm stunned, though. Like You get by on five hours of sleep every day. That's like normal for you. Yes, yes, but I'm different. I'm, I know I'm different. I have, I have excessive energy. I also, when I go to bed, I find it very difficult to switch off because I'm thinking of program ideas. Usually it's program ideas. And so I'm writing... Uh, radio show ideas and TV ideas and I uh, now I've learned not to sit up and then write them out so that's something else I do so I'm getting myself into a much sort of calmer state because I get very excited by life I used to think when I was younger what's the point of going to sleep because I liked the day too much and I couldn't wait to wake up so I could have another day I still feel like that and as corny as it sounds that's how I feel I feel quite happy so is it because you're worrying about things or is no. it just you're, you're just excited about um, I, what I, you're doing? I've got to, there's two, there's not enough time in the day to do everything I want to do. And, uh, and I'm just over happy. And you mentioned that you're, you're writing down a lot of new ideas and, and things like that. So what, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask today was you've done so many different things over the years. What would you like to do? Is there anything unfulfilled TV wise <laughs> that you'd like to do? I'd like to be doing a daily live show again. And I didn't want to do a daily live show for a while and now I want to do that again. It's my dream. And I think that everybody needs a bit of happiness and madness. And I sort of want to do it with the feel of the big breakfast. But the generation that grew up watching that, because that's now 27 years ago that it started this week. Wow. And I think there is a certainly a feeling that everybody wants happiness, positivity and kindness and naughtiness. And I mean naughty in a completely... Daytime on X-rated way. way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sort of. I, I'd like to do a five o'clock or six o'clock show with lots of celebrity guests. I do that on a Sunday afternoon on Radio London, and we get. I mean, Julianne Moore's coming back for the fourth time, and Ryan Gosling, and so we get all sorts of people. But they know it's just going to be fun, slightly irreverent. So I think um, that's what I would love to do. There's a lot of talk about women in this industry at the moment. Do you think it's easier now or than when you started out? Do you think? Well, I'm still working, so, uh, and I have done as I said, for 33 years. So it's very difficult. From, I, I, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. It's all I've ever wanted to do and uh, since I was three. So that's all I ever wanted to do in my three life. Three years old? Yeah, yeah. That's all Were I Were you standing in front of the mirror with a... No, I stood... My dad worked at the BBC. He was a continuity announcer and a newsreader. And I went to work with him. And I used to watch Blue Peter. And I was very lucky to actually go onto the studio floor and um, and I came home and I said, this is what I want to do. And I used to sit next to the television. So I was the fourth member of the Blue Peter team. And I used to sit with a box on my head and cut out a square. So I was on telly and my dad was a cameraman. And that's all I wanted to do. And it wasn't about 
fame or anything. It was just I'm fascinated by television and radio. I love radio as well, but fascinated by it. And what is it you miss about live TV? You know, you're talking about wanting to do that, say, five o'clock. So like what, what is, explain to sort of, as someone who's never been a presenter, what, what it's like to do live TV. It's my drug of choice. <laughs> uh, it's my addiction. Um, it, there, nobody can edit you. You can be, you can say what you think. You have to think on your feet all the time because in your ear, you've got somebody counting you. Uh, you're going either to an ad break or you've got to go to the next bit of VT, which is a bit of videotape, or you've got the next guest standing by to come in. So you're having to think all the time. You're having to do, it's just so exciting. You're trying to, you, d you have to do timings in your head. So, you know, if somebody says to me, now speak for two minutes, I'm able to do that luckily, hopefully. But I, as you can gather, I have no problem talking. And do you think generally TV at the moment is in quite a good place? Uh, I think TV is a really exciting place. I don't know about a good place. I think there are so many different channels now, which I think is exciting. And Chris and I were talking about it recently. You know, everyone talks about the golden age of television. There is no golden age. Mm. It's that every age is golden. They all have their golden things. There are certain things now that I think are outstanding. I think there is too much of some things. There are some things I, I don't wish to see on television. But the wonderful thing is I have choice. I can turn it off in the same way if somebody says they don't like what I'm doing, I'll say, just turn the telly off or turn it over. So that begs the question, what don't you want to see on your television and what are you watching? Uh, right, what am I watching? So EastEnders, it's no, it's no secret that I've never missed an episode of EastEnders. I love it. I think it's back to its good times. I think it goes through peaks and troughs. And I think they tackle some storylines so brilliantly. Uh, what else am I watching at the moment? Uh, Strictly is back. So, yes, <laughs> uh, and I love Strictly. I will never do it because I'm far too shy and I don't want to do it, but I love watching it. So. You'd be so good on it. No, I won't ever do it. They've asked me and they know not to ask me. I'm too shy. I just wouldn't like to do it. How can you be shy when you're I'm desperately in your shy. job? And also, I love watching it. That's all I say. I know people in it every year and there's always, my husband always says, how do you manage to guess who's going to win? And I have to watch the first one to guess who's going to win. This year, it might be one of three. Go on then. Who, who? Yeah. Okay, I think Emma Barton and Anton will make the final. And I have to say, I know Emma and I know Anton. Obviously, I've worked with Anton. So we've worked together on TV shows and radio shows together. So I'm not just biased. I really do think they're going to do it. I think that Kelvin will also be in the final. And I'd be very surprised if he doesn't win. And the young lad from CB. CBBC, whose name has completely escaped me. Yeah, I think Kareem, Kareem, yeah. Kareem, there we go. I think the three of them. Goodness, now we've got some. Wow. Is there any big drama or anything other than Strictly that you're watching? I just finished Fosse Verdon, which I thought oh, was yeah. superb. Absolutely superb. Brilliant. And I want to know about the shows you don't want to be watching, you said earlier. Yeah. Some things you don't want to see on your TV screen. I see. I love things like I'm a celebrity. I think that's fantastic. I'm not sure about the circle. I don't know whether I'd want my kids to watch that because we spend so much time telling kids, don't, don't uh, be careful who you message on social media because they could be lying about who they are. And then there's a show all about people lying about who they are. I haven't watched it because I feel quite strongly about it. I will watch it. And then if you ask me again in a few weeks, I will tell you. Because, you know, I love Emma Willis. I think she's great. And I don't think she'd make a stupid decision. So I have trust in her, her opinion and her uh, 
uh, and her way. I think she's a great presenter. She's great. Do yeah. you worry about your kids using social media? Yeah. How old are they? Uh, 18. She's just gone to university. She's left home? She's left home. That was a very traumatic okay? weekend. No, I was not. <laughs> uh, three days of hysterical sobbing. It was like bereavement. It was... Yeah. And I didn't think I'd be like that. It's the worst I felt since my mother died 23 years ago. Uh, but she's so happy. And uh, my youngest is 12. So she's not on social media yet. We're not, we haven't oh, let right. her and she won't be until she's 13. And then we will, but I will obviously follow her as well, as yeah. I do my oldest. Yeah. Gabby, thanks very much. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks, Gabby. And you can watch the first part of The Science of Sleep at 9pm on Channel 5 on Wednesday night. So let's talk some more telly now. There's a new drama coming to Netflix. Again, quite a lot of hype around this one. This is The Politician. Can you set up for a star and tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, well, this is um, back to high school for Glee creators, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk and Ian Brennan. But this time it's politics on the agenda. Were you a Glee fan, Jeffers? A little bit. Not. I wasn't crazy about it, to be honest with you. I loved Glee. And if you watched it, you'll remember the insanely ambitious Rachel Berry, who would absolutely stop at nothing to get to Broadway. This is slightly similar in that you've got a very ambitious central character, Peyton, who's played by Ben Platt. And he has known since he was seven that he wants to be president of the United States. In fact, he's going to be president. There's no question. And it's just watching this quite terrifying, ruthless behaviour as he figures out how to get there. I found this quite amusing as well as being, I don't think it's supposed to be a too serious a drama. It looks very nice. It reminds me a bit of Wes Anderson films, if you're into that kind of thing. I think this might be up your street. As well as this student painter who's, who, like you say, is just the most ruthless person you've ever seen. Um, you know, he's going to stop at nothing. We don't want to give too much away, but I think there's going to be bloodshed. There's going to be no nonsense, backstabbing, betrayal, whatever it takes. And this <laughs> is literally at the moment just to be sort of school president, isn't yeah. it? Presumably in a few episodes or if, if we get a couple of series time, this is going to go off the wall as he gets a bit older. But also I really like the character play. His mother is Gwyneth Paltrow. He's adopted. And so there's quite an interesting dynamic there where there's other siblings but he seems to be the favorite yeah it, it all looks very nice i think it all looks very beautiful to watch uh, oh it's stunning everyone's yeah. beautiful in it and yeah it's, I, i've only watched one episode but i was quite intrigued by it I, I, I did find it funny in places as well which i wasn't necessarily expecting because i don't think it takes itself too seriously quite a lot of dark stuff in it as well though there are some plots i think coming up that might be uh, quite dark as well and of course sometimes they just burst into song because why not? I think it's quite watchable. It's hard to know, like you say, because of that sort of darkness, maybe it's not going to be for everyone. I think that if you're watching it, expecting it to be totally likely, you're probably going to be a little bit shocked by it, yeah. perhaps. For an open episode, anyway, there's a, there's a lot going on. Do you think you're going to watch some more of it? Yeah, I wasn't sure at first. It's quite, you know, the characters are all quite cartoon-like. That's true. Yeah, a bit like Glee was, even though I am a fan of that. But there's lots of comedy and satire. And I think, actually, there are enough twists and turns by the end of the first episode that you might just want to see if he makes it to president. And, of course, you've, you've got Jessica Lang, you've got Gwyneth Paltrow. It's quite glamorous. It's quite easy on the eye. I think I'll watch one more episode and see how I go. It definitely feels like Netflix have thrown the kitchen sink at this. As you say, it looks really beautiful. They're all driving amazing cars, all the clothes and the set. It looks absolutely flawless. That's when I describe it as being a bit like a sort of Wes Anderson film. I suppose what I mean is it looks quite filmic. You know, you would think the budget on this must have been absolutely colossal, I guess. Yeah, they've got an all-star cast. I think it seems like quite a fresh idea, actually. And moving on to something completely different now, we've got The Met Policing London. This is a BBC documentary series. starts on Thursday night at nine o'clock. 
there are a lot of these kind of shows on TV. I found this one had a particularly brutal start for me. Um, does it work for you? Are these the kind of things you'd, you'd watch normally, Sarah? I find these quite hard to watch, if I'm honest. I don't know, for me, whether it really stood out particularly as being different to any of the others, but it is brutal, like a lot of these shows. It starts with some of those awful police calls where you hear the 999 calls at the start. I've been robbed at gunpoint. I've been raped. There's a lot of blood. Talk about violence being on the rise in London. It makes me not want to go anywhere to be honest but it is an insight into how amazing the police force is but on the positive side in this first episode we do see some resolution to some of these cases there is some good news i suppose we see the met at their best in that sense the program ends with some people ended up behind bars and so that is a good thing but as you say to get to that process to get to the end you do have to sit through some quite hard stuff it does open with a, a rape case which i found particularly shocking I, I don't know if that's because i haven't watched too many sort of blue light documentaries for a while but I found that quite difficult to stomach. And in the middle of it, I've got to say, some of the, the treatment by the Met to some people in the street, I found that quite difficult to watch myself. I know that we have got a lot of ongoing problems in the capital and uh, knife crime is on the rise and that type of thing. But there were some people in there who it turned out didn't have, hadn't done a great deal wrong. And you, and you see this, this big group of policemen sort of diving in and getting quite heavy handed. And so I was surprised that sort of made the cut, if you like. It was um, quite shocking to see, I agree. They sort of dragged some people out of a car at one point, had them straight down on the ground, handcuffs, and it was quite shocking to see. But the police did go some way to try and explain why they do that, why we don't know the whole picture and why that's necessary. And I found it really interesting. And you've also got quite a famous sort of former football chairman. He, he sees his watch get stolen at, at, at traffic lights by one of those sort of moped thieves. That's something I've read about a lot and I guess I hadn't really seen or sort of being able to get my head around what it kind of looks like and you do sort of see the moment when it pretty much the moment when he it happens. He should have given him the watch right though. Yeah yeah. He I kept mean, saying you're not having it you're not having it and I was thinking give him the watch. Yeah <laughs> I mean uh, it, it's a £130,000 watch I think it is that this guy has stolen and it's, it, he does sort of seem to, quite reticent to give it over <laughs> and I guess he has spent a lot of money but on it. But if you're held up at gunpoint yeah I think that's the lesson to learn here. So I think if you like this kind of show there is really good access in terms of what we see but it, it's nine o'clock at night and when I watched it I think I watched it around nine o'clock and I thought well it's not exactly perfect sort of viewing just before I go to bed. I think you'd need to watch comedy straight afterwards and then you'd be okay. Yeah it's a good idea. It's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. Each week, one of our favourite faces from telly tells us a must-see series. Last week, Bodyguard and Game Face star Nina Toussaint-White chose the US version of The Office. This week, it's the turn of comedian and actor Sarah Kendall. Let's have a listen to her choice. My name is Sarah Kendall, and the box set that I would recommend is Barry. These people I take out, they're bad people. The money's good. It's a job. Yep. Hey, man. Are you seeing this beautiful morning? What are you doing? How are you? What am I doing? I'm set up here like you asked me to. Oh, right. Duh. I watched it on an aeroplane and I did the entire series just in one hit. This heat is urgent. This is Ryan Madison. Familiar to my slaughterous thoughts. Hey, man. Are you new to this class? Help me out. Ryan, you're up. I'm going to do the scene with him. When I saw the description of what the show was about, I thought, I don't see how that's going to work. And then I was just absolutely hooked. And it was surprising and dark and beautiful and funny and really odd. The acting class made me feel really good. I feel really motivated right now. These are professional actors. They're the real deal, and they say I got something. All of the characters are so beautifully drawn. 
it goes places and does things that you just think aren't going to happen in a comedy or shouldn't happen in a comedy. You're a killer, Mary. Acting to direct conflict, being someone who anonymously kills people. The drama is spot on and the comedy is spot on and it's all coming from a, a really... It never feels forced. So that would be my, uh, my absolute pick of, of, of the last year. So Barry is Sarah's choice. Quite an interesting one. I've looked it up. You can watch this now on Now TV. The one thing she didn't really tell us is that much about the plot. Can you fill us in, Sarah? Yeah, well, she's right that it's odd. Um, Barry is about Barry. He works as a hitman in the Midwest and he's lonely and a bit dissatisfied with life and off he trots to LA to kill somebody and ends up finding himself in the warm community of a group of eager acting hopefuls and the teacher is none other than the Fonz, Henry Winkler. Okay. And it's like a fish-out-of-water comedy, quite dark, two worlds of the hitman scene and the acting scene. Well, it sounds quite interesting, and it's a HBO one, yet another HBO one for the box sets, so that's normally a good sign, so I think I might give this a go at the weekend. Thanks very much for that, Sarah. Now, her six-part comedy, Frayed, which she wrote and starred in, started last week. It's on Sky One and Now TV, and it continues on Thursday night. That's almost it for this episode of Series Linked. And even though Emma isn't here, I know she wouldn't forgive me if I didn't get you, Jeffers, to update us on what we should be keeping an eye out for on the telly, not just next week, but also next month and next year. So, Jeffers, what should we look out for next week? Motherland is returning to BBC Two next week. We've got Anna Maxwell-Martin in that, Diane Morgan. It's a new school year. There's a new school mum at the school gates. And I know a lot of people like Motherland. I think it's going to be another really good series. And what about next month? Next month, it's only one day, but I'm quite excited about this. Richard and Judy are going to return to this morning. They're going to host it for the first time in 18 years. This is on October the 25th. The idea of those two back in the sofa, I just think it's going to be good. Richard's obviously on the circle at the moment, causing a bit of a storm, but Judy doesn't really do a lot of TV now, so I think it's going to be really great to see them back on the box. Good nostalgia telly. And what about next year? Next year, there's a new psychological thriller I like the sound of. It's called Too Close and it stars Emily Watson. She's playing a forensic psychiatrist and I just think anything with Emily Watson in is normally really good. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. And that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for standing in for Emma this week, Sarah. Thanks for having me. This has been the Series Linked podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to leave a five-star rating and a review. And make sure you've subscribed so you can catch up the next episode when it drops on Tuesday morning. Bye. See you soon. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. 
Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.